The topic is leadership. And we could discuss it in terms of what the gurus today in leadership define as being a leader. They discuss qualities of leaders. There's many different books and they describe many different qualities. Some say they should be 10 qualities, some say they should be 14 qualities, some add the qualities of a leader to 21. And I've contemplated these points as I read. And by Allah, I've managed to see those qualities present in the life of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam anyway. Because he was the ultimate leader. And it was all there. And why not when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا that in Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is a perfect character and example for you. A perfect example. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Some say you need to have the concept of delegation, just as an example. Some say confidence, some say commitment and the ability to communicate and so on and so forth. And this was present. Let's just take delegation for example. This was present in the life of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. For before he passed away, he delegated Abu Bakr radiallahu to lead the salah. And when Abu Bakr gave it to Umar, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said that Allah and his Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam refuse that Umar lead the salah. Rather Abu Bakr lead the salah. Subhanallah and look what wisdom there was in this delegation. That when he did this, this was a means for the ummah understanding that after Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the next leader should be Abu Bakr radiallahu Look how, what a leader he was. Look at that, how he nurtured the ummah in just one act. Subhanallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gather us with him in Jannah. Ameen sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Look at his refusal to delegate. Refusal to delegate. A leader knows how to delegate. So he delegates Abu Bakr. But he refuses to delegate to Abu Dhar. Radiallahu Positions of authority. And he tells Abu Dhar, radiallahu that you are a soft person. You won't have the ability to deal with a dispute between two people. And he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, don't look for positions of authority, for it will end up being a moment of regret for you in the hereafter. There are certain people that cannot manage those positions. Thus he was not delegated at all. And then look how Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Delegated Amr ibn al-As in the battle of that as-salasim. And he delegated him as a leader. And that army was joined later on by Abu Bakr radiallahu And Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu And we all know them and the honor that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them. We know that Allah declared Abu Bakr radiallahu as a person of honor in his book. In Surah Al-Nur, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَلَا يَأْتَلْ أُلُوا الْفَضْلِ مِنْكُمْ وَالسَّعَةِ The Mufassirun have an ijma' a consensus, that fadl here is talking about Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. A man of this honor, yet Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam left Amr ibn al-As as the head of that particular group. La ilaha illallah. Now, this doesn't mean that he was better than Umar and better than Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. And this is a lesson as a footnote, as a footnote. Because whenever we learn from the seerah, whenever we learn, we should contemplate and ponder. This is not a lesson that Amr ibn al-As was better 
than Abu Bakr and Umar. But it's a lesson to us that sometimes those who are less honorable then others can take positions of leadership amongst us. It doesn't mean that if they take the position of leadership that they are the most honorable. No, it just means that they are the most capable. So in this particular expedition, Amr ibn al-As was the most capable. And this is delegation which shows the leadership of Muhammad ibn Abdullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Amr ibn al-As radiallahu anhu, he went to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam because it does cross the mind. That subhanallah, I am left in charge in the presence of Abu Bakr and, and Umar radiallahu anhum. So he went, he thought, I'm more beloved to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So he went to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and asked him, that who is the most beloved to you? So he said, Aisha radiallahu anha. So he says, no, I'm not asking you this. I'm asking you with regards to the men. So he said, Abuha, her father. So he's, he was set straight. Yani. But it's natural. It shows how the Sahaba radiallahu anhu would compete. La ilaha illallah. May Allah gather us with them in, in Jannah. Ameen. The crux of the point is that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was a leader. And he could delegate. Just sharing with you examples. They say you need to be a delegator to be a leader. Who was a better delegator than Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? They say you need to be a communicator. Who was a better communicator than Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? Let's take the example of the Bedouin that urinated in the masjid and the Sahaba were up in swords. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam asked them to control themselves. In fact, ask them to let him finish. Subhana Rabbi al He's urinating in Masjidun Nabawi. And he says, let him finish. And then Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam calls him and explains to him the reality of the place in a soft tone and a diligent way. And this person goes on to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only to have mercy on Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and him and nobody else. That's how he appreciated the way of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and this communication. And even then, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam corrected him and said, لَقَدْ حَجَّرْتَ وَاسِعًا you have, you have made narrow something that is vast. The mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is vast. Allah's mercy encompasses everything. He said, you have narrowed something which is extremely vast. But in retrospect, look at the story of the lady known as Imra'ah al-Khath'amiyah. When she committed a crime and the people got together to look for somebody to intercede on her behalf so that the punishment for it does not take place. And they knew that Usama ibn Zayd radiallahu an was beloved to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So they sent him to intercede. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in a stern voice, not a rude voice, not a scolding voice, but in a stern voice said, fi haddin min hududillah? Are you seeking intercession in a matter that is considered a had? A prescribed punishment by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? He says, Wallahi, if Fatima bint Muhammad, if my daughter had stolen, she too would face this punishment. This was stern. So he was a great communicator. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In any case, my intention is not to talk to you about the qualities of leaders. Because not everyone is engineered to be a leader. Not everyone is engineered to be a leader, right? We know... 
there's this test today known as the Myers-Briggs examination and people people's characters are marked so that leaders or organizations can have an idea of the strong points and weak points of certain people so they're placed in the correct places not everybody is born to be a leader and that's rightly so and not everybody is born to be a worker and that's rightly so because if everybody was leaders who would do the work and everybody was workers who would lead them right so my aim is not to discuss the qualities of being a leader because this would exclude those who are not naturally engineered to be a leader. But my aim is to discuss this concept from a wider perception and perspective. And that is your ability to be your own leader and your ability to become a leader in matters specific to you. Becoming a trendsetter in matters specific to you, such as worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, such as adherence to the sunnah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, such as everything that is considered good. Today we have a false understanding of ibadah. We think worship is the five pillars of Islam. Yes, these are the pillars of worship, but not all of worship, brothers and sisters. Because worship is defined as ismun jami'un li kulli ma Allah. A universal term that encompasses everything which is beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Such as belief and worship. Such as spending in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Such as da'wah. Such as being humble. Such as conformance to the teachings of the Quran and the Sunnah. Such as competing with one another in your journey to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All this is worship. Smiling is worship. The salam and greeting is worship. The food that you are a means of placing in the mouth of your spouse is worship. Nurturing the ummah and upbringing your children is worship. Going to work every morning is worship. Running is worship. Sports can be worship. If we looked after our intentions, and I shared this message yesterday, as I said, the theme of our series will have to encompass certain messages running across different talks. All this can be worship. If your intention behind going to work is to be a person that can give sadaqah and support Islamic projects and the spreading of Islam and to place halal food in the mouths of your family, this is worship. Alhamdulillah for Islam. And the disbeliever who goes to work, it's not worship for them. Because the aim behind work is to make ends meet. Remember I said it's your right to be the best. Did we not say that? It's your right to be a trendsetter. How can your going to work be an ends? Just as... The disbeliever going to work is an end for them. Yours should have a more nobler purpose. It's a means to an end. What is the end? So how can you tie the simple act of life and make it an act of worship? That you go to work every day and every step of the way and every second spent going to work and working and coming back, you make it a means of making your scales of good deeds heavy on the day of Qiyamah. And build your Jannah. Trees are growing for you in Jannah. Palaces are being built for you in Jannah. Streams are being delivered for you in Jannah. But you're going to work. How? 
by being connected to your purpose and your vision. That I'm doing this for this sake. For the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the sake of Jannah. This is why I'm doing it. I'm not just doing it for the sake of it. If Who can become depressed building their Jannah? People say I'm depressed. My job is depressing. Your job is depressing because it's an ends. It's not a means to an end. That's the problem. That is the problem. There's no real purpose behind... Your soul is not being fed. Your spirituality is not being fed. You're spending most of your day looking after your external, not your internal. When you fix your intention, your normal activity in your day becomes a means of feeding your internal because you've tied it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As the scholar once said, Aliq Malaka Birabbik. There was a rich man who complained that I am so rich, but I can't sleep at night. And I'm depressed. I have everything, but I'm not happy. So the shaykh advised and said, because you haven't tied what you love to the one who you should love. La ilaha illallah. If you tie what you love to the one who you should love, it will become beneficial for you. Your spirituality will start eating and drinking and come alive. Because brothers and sisters, we're not bodies. We're not bodies only. We have a spiritual side. When you're depressed, it's because your heart is depressed. Your heart is hard. Your spirituality is hard. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the understanding.